What's up, bikers? Welcome to the Biker Bar Podcast live stream. Here we are, episode 135. Holy crap. I was writing the show notes for today's guest, Steve from Hardtail Party, and it was 74 episodes ago that he was on the show. And I can't believe that that much time has passed. Like it, it really kind of blows my mind when you see that number like that. So that long ago, he was barely at, I think right around 20,000 subscribers. And now he's around 56,000 subscribers. So what, what a, what a bit of growth for him. But before we get started, let's do these things that I always talk about. If, if, if you are one of the people who haven't subscribed to this channel, you're watching on YouTube, do that. Um, if you like the content, hit the thumbs up button. Everybody knows how that happens. If you're a podcast listener, go over to Apple Podcasts and write a five-star review. It would be amazing. On September 11th, uh, I am a Texan first. He stopped by, wrote a stellar review. I was like, man, I, I, while I was reading it, I was like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's talking about the right podcast, <laughs> but no, I really appreciate Appreciate the, the Texan first there going out and out of his way and, and writing those reviews because that really helps the podcast algorithm know that, hey, this is a good, this is a good thing and show it to more people. And the more that happens, eventually someday I'll just have, you know, sponsors just banging the door down and I'll shut up about this. And I won't want you guys, I'll be like, you guys do what you want to do. But until then, help me out. Write a review hit the thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, all those things that you can do. It really, really, truly helps out. If you want to go above and beyond, you could be like one of the people on Patreon that really helped me out there. As cheap as a buck a month, um, most people settle in on the $5 spot. At the end of the day, you get a couple of extra things, you know, some sticker pack, I'll, I'll write you a handwritten letter. But really what it comes down to is you're, you're helping support the channel and keeping me honest. Whenever I am doing like my 90 second reviews on the regular biker channel, it's really nice to, to not have like to have gone out and bought those products instead of having a company give it to you, because then it really, it, it makes it super easy to be as objective as I want. Um, and that's, that's the, that's the cold, hard truth of it. The other end of it is this stuff is expensive. Just today I came out here to the studio, grabbed my microphone. And the mount just snapped off. These these things are like 20 bucks. So I need 20 of you guys to sign up for the dollar. And then I'm straight on the microphone. <laughs> Anyways, no, I really appreciate everybody over there on Patreon. You guys are the sponsors that I want the most. Someday, there's going to be a bunch of commercials in the beginning of this podcast. Or I'm going to quit. So um, <laughs> you figure out which way you want to. If you want to help sponsor me until then. Let, let's get to the let, let's do that together really appreciate all you guys truly truly do it means a lot i'm going to stop whining about this stuff and tell you one last thing swing by my instagram or my facebook page give it a follow anyways we're gonna bring steve on well let's see if i can actually do this and talk at the same time here we go what's up dude what's up good to see you robert good to be here yeah man i can you believe that 75 episodes ago no no That's it feels crazy. like yesterday yeah because i 
you know, I purposely don't reach out to, you know, all the other YouTubers that I know all the time because I'm like, I don't want these guys to feel like it's their job to run my podcast too. You know what I mean? And uh, I was like, man, I haven't talked to Steve in a while. I'm going to shoot him a message. And then when I looked at that, I was like, holy cow. It's really been a long time. Um, yeah, it sure has. It, it, I was thinking about it earlier while I, I, I was uh, did a little road ride before this. And that's extremely boring. So you have plenty of time to think. And uh, I was like, man, I have been doing YouTube now. I started in 2017. So it's like five years. It's like five years at a job. That's that's a, I would have got a pin by now. And I'm pretty sure it was like within that first year or so is whenever I first met you and Dusty up in Downingville. That was a day I'll never forget. Yeah, that was a good one. That was mm -hmm. definitely a good one. Lifelong uh, bucket list and a pleasure to share it with you. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was super super good time. Those of you guys that are out there listening, let let us know how the audio sounds in the, in the comments because uh, we had a little bit of some we had some issues before we got started, so it'd be good to know that everything sounds good. Um, yeah, you know, I, so while I was thinking about that, you guys were on the road back then. You didn't have your own channel, and, and you're kind of you're you guys had living like the vagabond life, like just kind of bouncing around the country, and for yeah a while now you've been been you know planted in sedona yep are are you missing the road life uh yes and no more no than yes but yeah i still want to go on a few road trips like i'd love to get back to bentonville and uh ride the you know the ride michigan and maine and places i've never been before and it's a little bit harder when you're planted but i like the stability it was it was fun to travel while we did, and uh, now we got a kid, and she's the love of my life and the focus of my life, and I mm -hmm. love being a father, and it's a lot easier um, being being at home in a home base, and I mean, Sedona's my home base. It's a dream come true. There's nowhere I'd rather live. I'm in my dream, dream city doing my dream job. I just feel extremely fortunate. So... Back whenever we rode Downingville, you were you were you did some kind of like online kind of job, didn't you? Yeah, I built online. I'm an instructional designer. I built online um, courses and learning experiences and helped coach teachers how to be better teachers professionally. And um, it was before COVID and before everybody understood how to run a virtual team. And I was the only virtual one, and all my teammates were all in person. So I got left out of a lot of communications. I just felt pretty isolated. It wasn't great, but uh, it paid the bills and made it happen. But I couldn't hold down any of those jobs for more than two years. It was just hard to to keep in touch with my with my people, and it just it put a lot of stress on uh, on work. Mm -hmm. So, at what point were you like, "That's it, man. We're we're like ripping the bandaid off. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call this YouTube thing a, a like because you didn't even have a channel." when I met you, you were just like, I mean, you helped like, like Tess a lot, but you, you, you weren't um, really on the channel, you know? Yeah. We had an RV channel that was doing pretty well. And it was like, we were at the point where I thought, Hey, this, this could be good. I remember one month we made 1800 bucks and I was like, man, if we could do that on ad revenue, if we could do that every month and get some right. sponsors, like this could be a real thing. But 
it wasn't my true passion. We, we lived the RV life so we could go riding. And so I, I made a conscious decision not to focus on that. So this is probably my fourth or fifth channel. You kind of have to have a starter channel or two to kind of learn your way through the YouTube world mm -hmm. and kind of learn from your mistakes. And so Hardtail Party was extremely intentional. And from day one, I set out to make it a business with a very focused uh, message. And it's done really well and people are responding well to it. Yeah, you know, I keep forgetting that you had the, the other channels before. So uh, I apologize for that because. Oh, no, it's okay. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally forgot I, you guys had the RV stuff because you had a pretty big audience over there, too. I think we had 40,000 or so. And so yeah. it was doing pretty well. And, but um, a lot of people were doing it. It was oversaturated. We weren't really standing out. And I didn't just want to go to RV shows and film RVs all day and talk about RVs. I wanted to talk about mountain biking, being in the great outdoors, but my people subscribe because of the RV content. And so they would drop off when I'd start talking bikes. And so then I knew it was probably time to do my own thing. And my wife was nice. She let me do a couple videos on her channel. Then she's like, Hey, this is my channel. Go start your own. If you're like, get off my channel, go start your own. And I think you do a good job. And so for a couple months, I was just like, what am I going to do that's different that'll stand out but that i can share my knowledge and it just dawned on me one day and i've always loved hardtails and that's when i decided to take the plunge i remember chatting with a few other youtubers and they're like you're crazy that's never gonna take off nobody loves hardtails um, <laughs> what are you thinking you're painting yourself in a corner you'll never be able to ride a full suspension again and i love hardtails it's been so much fun yeah i i am um, i don't know if i told you that it wouldn't work out but i remember thinking like or saying something to you along the lines of like like this is a a, a segment of a of an already small community you know yeah are you sure you want to do that you know <laughs> and uh like, like yeah. i was like why don't you just have the the channel be whatever the channel is going to be and if you just talk about hard times all hard tales most of the time then it doesn't really matter you know like yeah it's done yeah. well I I got lucky and um, I do ride full suspensions and, um, but I try to keep them off the channel because there's a million full suspension channels out there with great info. Um, <clears throat> but I do talk full suspensions with my patrons. And so, um, yeah, that's how I, that's how I handle that. I have a couple full suspensions. I ride them a lot, but hardtails are my true love. Yeah. 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 It's just, um, I will tell you this. I'm surprised by how many bikes, different bikes, you have on the channel like all the time like it, it's I, I would i i i feel like i mean i don't really like watch all your content but i feel like every week it looks like you have a different bike on there i try i've got 20 frames in for review right now that i haven't even touched yet and so i've got six months of work just sitting in my shop waiting for me it's a good even, problem to have. i wouldn't even <laughs> thought there was that many hardtails out there that were like like legitimate companies enough that you would want to review you know what i mean yeah there's hundreds if i could clone myself i still wouldn't even if i put out t twice a week i still wouldn't be able to catch up with everything that's out there there's so yeah. many great hotels these days how do you how do you balance that because when i am um, when i have a big backlog it actually like demotivates me like unmotivates me whatever that word is I'm not a master of the English language, but like it, it, if I like, I like it best 
whenever I actually get out from underneath a backlog at all and I can like record and then edit, record and then edit. And to have a bunch of products that I feel like I'm under the thumb for, it 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 doesn't do well for my motivation. It's stressful for sure. Yeah. And it's balance. Yeah. It it stresses me out having those 20 frames because some of them I'm not gonna get to review for four months. And the owner is going to hit me up every month and be like, hey, when's my review coming? And I'll just have to say, remember when we connected and I told you I have a six-month backlog? Like, that's where we're at right now. And a lot of – I'm the only reviewer that I know of that's putting parts on a frame. Nobody's reviewing just a frame. They're reviewing complete bikes. Mm -hmm. And that takes 20-plus hours a week of building and tearing down bikes every single time I do a review. And I'm using my own parts, so I got to have a whole bunch of different cranks, a whole bunch of different wheel sets, a whole bunch of different forks. If I'm reviewing a 120 mil hardtail one week and then a 150 mil hardtail the next week, I've got to have enough you know, forks to do that. It's not cheap. It takes a heck of a lot of time. And most, <clears throat> most of these companies are getting a great deal. They don't pay me a dollar. They send me a frame. I build it up. I get 10,000 to 40,000 views on their frame, and then I review it. And sometimes they ask for it back, and sometimes they say you can keep it. That's the cheapest marketing a company could ever do. Yeah. And, um, I need to find a way to make it more profitable. Cause it's, it's a ton of stress and yeah. I would love to just review all the bikes. I wish I had a little, you know, YouTube's really tough to make it profitable and I can't afford to hire anyone and I'm not exactly killing it financially, but I'm surviving yeah. and I'm yeah. fortunate, but, um, I'd love to have a high school kid. I could pay 20 bucks an hour to edit my stuff, but that's just not in the, that's just not in the realm of possibility right now. How many of us have thought about that? I mean, I, I'm 100%. I, I can't tell you how many times I've thought to myself, man, I wish I could find some kid that was in high school. I could pay him like minimum wage, edit my stuff, and it, my life would be easier. And I'd probably be able to like really make the channel pop. You know what I mean? Like, as, But yeah. um, to find that person that's motivated, that understands, and it's like a diamond in the rough. I feel like you have to be a highly profitable channel before you can actually hire somebody and and it, it seems like you probably need it more when you're not so high, highly profitable you know totally totally it's nice yeah. i'm not reaching out to companies anymore and they're reaching out to me so yeah. i'm not having to hustle so in some ways it's stressful having 20 frames on the wall i need to build up but in other ways i'm good for the next six months you know there was a time when i couldn't get frames and i was worried like I've got a I've got a notebook of 200 other video ideas I'd like to do one day. So if the frames ever do stop coming or they slow down, I got plenty of other content. But mm -hmm. um, my reviews get the most they get the most views, and all every single video I make, I try to have an educational element to it. And so even if you're not interested in the review in the bike I'm reviewing, I promise there's something in there that will help you kind of challenge your assumptions about mountain biking and kind of rethink. Uh, what you thought to be true and maybe agree or maybe disagree but i always try to include some ele educational elements in there because there's a lot of marketing talk especially in reviews a lot of reviews just read like uh, ads and yeah. i try to educate people so they can see through all the marketing talk and actually pick the bike that's right for them yeah that's um that that's definitely something that's hard to do you know and that's what i was talking about you know at the beginning about the you know patreon would i really i would love for my patreon to put me in a spot where i don't seek any kind of advertisers you know just because even 
I'm I'm not gonna say that if somebody sends me a part like that I'm gonna lie. You, you know what I mean? That that's definitely not the case. But I think as a moral human, it's harder for you to be like, this shit sucks if you didn't buy it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and uh it, you, you definitely get yourself in a spot where it's like, I want to say this eloquently because I, I don't want to like, you know, make make a bad name for myself and then, you know, pro companies don't want to work with me. But on the right. other hand, you, you want to be you want to be transparent with people and, and you want to call a spade a spade if you need to. You know? 100%. 100%. So. Yeah, it, it's scary. I I even a lot of people are interested in like, what are my top five bikes or what's the best hardtail ever? And I don't I don't cater to that because everybody has different trails and different needs. And so what's better for me is not what's best for you. And and people want me to trash on companies and <clears throat> I'm not going to do that. If I don't like a bike, it'll be pretty evident when you hear the review, but yeah. I'm not there to give a bike a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I'm there to evaluate it and let people know who this bike is for and who it's not for. So if the head angle steep and the reach is short and it's twitchy, I don't like that. And so I'll say for where I live and how I ride, this is not my cup of tea, but here's who this caters to. This caters to people coming from gravel and transitioning into mountain, people who are doing some nice flatter terrain, people who like a responsive bike and people who don't have super steep things or aren't catching air or aren't going down choppy trails. And so my riders that are in that category can perk their ears up and say, oh, that's me. So even though Steve doesn't like this bike, it doesn't mean it's a bad bike. It just means it's a bad fit for Steve. But I try to point out who it's a good fit for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, a really um, key thing because we were starting to talk about that before the show itself. And uh, I thought that was a really, really like good thing to mention because so many people reach out to us different, you know, whatever you want to call ourselves, influencers, you know, YouTubers, whatever. And they're always like, is this the best bike for me or whatever? And that's such a, uh, such a hard question to answer because what, even what I like compared to what you like are two different bikes, you know, yeah, totally. like, like totally. I, I can't tell you how many of my friends that would, you know, set their house on fire before they put Kushkor in their wheels, you know, and me, I'm like, there's no way I want to ride without it, you know? So like just because I like it doesn't mean you're, you're going to like it. And just because you're a, a fat guy or a tall guy or a, you know, a short guy or whatever, you know, like it, it, you can't, you can't, it's not apples to apples. You have to always, I, you know, if you can go out and ride the bike. And, um, I think, um, I was listening to BKXE today. He was, he was riding that new, uh, that new, um, e-bike and he was telling people like get on instagram find somebody that lives by you that has this bike and and try to ride it so i mean yeah all the demos and stuff aren't out there but for the most part like riders are pretty cool and you meet somebody out on the trail they're not you know they're not going to show up and just be like here's my bike see ya you know but i mean if, if yeah, you're out on the trail you, you can switch around and yeah, I'm YouTube is not my main source of income. Uh, my Patreon is and on my Patreon, I have a bike consultation service. And so a lot of people will work with me to so I can help recommend the right bike for them. And I've got this big questionnaire. It's a lot of back and forth. We talk about their needs, like how heavy are you? How tall are you? Like, are you smashing things? Are you catching air off of every route? Are you chasing KOM climbs? Like what excites you about mountain biking? And fortunately, I've ridden more hardtails, more modern hardtails than anybody on the planet now, which is amazing. I can't believe 
that's me. It's been yeah. a fun ride, but I'm able to help people with that. But a lot of people think they want a hardtail and I'll say, well, have you ridden a full suspension? You know what? You told me you live in Colorado and I know what trails you're riding. I think a full suspension would be better for you. And they, they're like, what? I thought you're Mr. Hardtail. How could you recommend a full suspension? And I just say, have you ever ridden one? No. Okay. You need to go out and find a friend, join a club, do something, throw a leg over one and ride it and tell me if you'll either love it or hate it. People that love hardtails either seem to love full suspensions and think it's the best of everything or they ride it and they're kind of like, eh, it was soft, but I kind of missed something that the hardtail had. Yeah. And so you're right. The best thing people can do is throw a leg over it, but that that's super hard these days. And so what we've got are marketing mumbo jumbo on the websites that tell you it's the coolest bike ever. We've got stuff from pink bike and vital and all them, which is marketing light. <clears throat> and then my goal is to, to review stuff and tell you what it's like so you can make a more informed decision. I'm lucky I did a recent video where I tested six different high-end wheel sets back to back on a hardtail. And you can really feel uh, the nuances of a wheel set on a hardtail that I can't feel on my full suspensions. To me, on my full suspension, my wheel set doesn't really matter. I can feel the weight, but that's it. But on the hardtail, a wheel set makes a huge difference. And I'm lucky enough that I've been able to ride 20 of the highest end wheel sets and I can compare them and share that info and provide that service for people who don't have 20 different wheel sets to ride. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, it's one of the things that, that I also say about Patreon. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're helping me purchase these things so that I can do these reviews that you want to listen to. Like I buy a lot of stuff for this channel that I honestly wouldn't buy if it wasn't for like, Hey, I want to review this just because I think people will be interested in hearing about it. You know, it's not like, Hey, I want you guys to buy all this gear for me. Like, cause I mean, you know, when you first start, that sounds appealing, right? Maybe it does. And maybe that's part of the reason that you start your channel. You're like, I'm going to get free stuff. And um, after a while, you have more free stuff than what you really care to have. So, you know, but it is nice to be able to like, I don't know. I'm just trying to think like these things I picked up these. Uh, I saw these on, I think it was like Pink Bikes uh, um, website or Instagram. And it's like, it's one of those like super thin tubes from Schwabi, like the yeah. like the orange brand. I don't know what's the orange brand. I had them on the freaking podcast. I can't even think of their name right now. Um, oh god, I've got them in my pack. I, they're my go-to. Um, <clears throat> that's because you asked me on the spot. I can't remember. Yeah. So, anyways, so two say again. They're two Bolitos. You got the Schwabi yeah. version of the two Bolito. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll be 100% honest. I'm so vain that I didn't want to put the two Bolitos on my bike because they're orange and don't match my matchy-matchy colors. You know how all my bikes look, right? All stickers and stuff. I know, I know. So I saw, the, I, I saw the Schwabby ones, and they're white, and I was like, I think I could do white on there. So, But anyways, like the other end of it was like, hey, I want to buy this and um, try it out to like help people with my experiences. And... To be 100% honest, if it was just like Robert, the regular dude, I would still be putting a regular tube on there because it's cheap and I know it works. I don't really care about spending 35 bucks on a tube, you know? Yeah, totally. But um, anyways, so um, I don't know where the hell I was going with that. I've gotten lucky. Like, I don't have to pay for stuff now. So um, yeah. people will say, hey, will you, you know, we? I want to send you this made in China piece of garbage headlamp. 
will you provide two videos and positive reviews? And I'll say no. Yeah. You can send it to me, and if I like it, I'll review it. And if I don't like it, I'll tell you I don't like it. And by then, you can choose to have me review it or not. So yeah. I have enough stuff in my queue lining up to review that I I get to pick and choose what stuff I want to review. And um, uh, that sounds like I'm bragging. I'm not. I I don't. The only thing I buy are tires and drivetrain and forks. Everything else, yeah. I'm lucky that co companies will send it in to me. And it's fun. It's growing. And people, it's weird. Companies don't know how to handle YouTubers. They know, they, they throw everything at pro racers and people in the industry. They'll just bend over backwards for them. But a lot of companies uh, don't take the YouTubers seriously. And I get it. There's a lot of jokers out there that are just kind of doing stuff for clicks and, and aren't journalists or tech editors. But I think my biggest uh, compliment was when I reached out to my buddies at Pink Bike and I just said, hey, I did a review on this bike. Would you post it? And they said, no, uh, we don't want to post competing tech editors content. And I was like, hey, Pink Bike thinks I'm a tech editor. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is interesting the way that the industry works that way. And I think things are changing. Some companies get it more than others. But um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it, I, I, I want to step back to what you were saying about, you know, the, the weird random stuff that you get the emails about. And I think the one, the, the way that Seth told me that he handles it is what I think is just the, the best response where it's like, you can send it to me. If I really like it, I might make a video about it, but yeah. I'm not telling you anything other than that. And it's up to you if you want to send it, you know, totally. and uh, it's more of a that, burden yeah go ahead it's more of a burden like to get that stuff because now you've got homework and it's like okay go script a video go film it go talk about the pros and cons for free and post post links to it for people and so unless it's a product i'm thrilled about it's just extra work that kind of dilutes my channel if it's not related to a hardtail so that's kind of where i'm at about it yeah yeah you mean you don't want to review the kitchen knife set <laughs> they watched all your content and know that it would fit in well. <laughs> Do you miss not having a hardtail? You know, I, I was going to say this earlier when you were talking about people <clears throat> and ever riding a, uh, a full suspension. And I think that the same thing would come up with me when I had my hardtail. People would ask me all the time, like, dude, I want to get one. And it'd be like, have you ridden one? And because... Yeah. Um, it is a special breed of person that had, that likes to ride a hardtail. And when I got mine, I I really truly enjoyed it because it I felt like it was like um, it was something that I was missing. Like it reminded me more of being a kid. And back in Pennsylvania, yeah. there was all kinds of like little dirt trails that get you from this part of town to that part of town. So it was like, you were always riding mountain bikes, even before mountain bikes was like, even on your BMX bike, you know? And uh, I think that that hardtail really re reminded me a lot of that. But on the other end, I have the mindset of with that hardtail, I wanted to like try to do every super challenging technical trail on that hardtail at the same speed that I could do it on my, my full suspension. And what I found out is that my back doesn't agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, uh, sure. 
Yeah. And so I would just be smashing the shit out of that bike. And then at the end of the ride, my, my body would just be like, you're a jerk. I really don't want to have anything to do with you. And yeah. um, that's ultimately why I ended up getting rid of it and, and getting the tall boy. Cause I was like, I just want a little bit of suspension enough to yeah. like kind of tame out that chatter. And, um, with all of that being said, I don't really miss my hardtail. Like at times I do where I'm like, man, it would be fun just to, I really like that, um, that ability to kind of uh, just throw that on the table at the end of the trail, you know, like, yeah, we got the same time, but I'm on a hardtail, you know, because <laughs> I'm one of those guys just loves talking smack. So the hardtail, <laughs> riding a hardtail gives the ability. And then it also gives you an excuse for anything, right? You're like, well, you beat me um, down. I'm on a hardtail, man. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. that's why we called it Hardtail Party, not Hardtail KOM. I'm trying to help people put away the Strava and, and reconnect with the love of riding and feeling like that kid again. And that's, you know, a lot of people be like, well, how many grams is this? And how many more watts will it take to do this and that? And I'm like, who cares? It's just bikes. None of us are going to be in the Olympics. None of us are World Cup athletes. Let's do what makes it the most fun for us. And for some people, it's beating their buddies. But for me, it's just connecting with nature, getting out there, having fun. And if I have to go 20% slower on my hardtail, I'm okay with that. But everybody's yeah. different. If, if that's not your thing, I don't think hardtails are going to be for you very well. I think the thing that I also liked about it a lot was that you could take your local trails that you've ridden a billion times and on the hardtail now, it made them, it refreshed them, you know, because then maybe you wouldn't take the same lines or you'd have to think about, how you attack things a little differently. And I, I think that was the part that was really refreshing for me. I can't say that I won't buy another one. I like the thought has crossed my mind a few times, but, um, overall, you buy it, up. yeah, yeah. I'll, overall, I'll it's definitely, definitely, um, I like having that short travel bike that I can, that I can, that you know, fun. yeah. And, um, and then having that, that other, you know, bigger full suspension bike in there where, where you, where, you know, this will, this will be a good time, you know, and for sure. I think, yeah, you got to ride them different. That's for sure. Like you can't just turn off your brain and plow on a hardtail. You have to be reading the trail. You have to be anticipating things. You have to be unweighting that rear wheel all the time. And I love that. And a lot of people don't like that. That ruins a ride for a lot of people, but to me, it makes it interesting and there's something to be said for riding a green trail and loving it because you're not on a 150, 160 enduro bike. And mm -hmm. most of us have green trails closer to us than black trails. And so I think, you know, I'm not here to convince you to get a hardtail. I know where you live and I think your bikes are perfect for where you live. Mm -hmm. And found you've tried the hardtail thing and that's great. But if I think for most riders who aren't in Arizona, Colorado, Utah, Bellingham, I think a hardtail could be a great thing in the stable. You just have less, a lot of people have less elevation, less chunk, and that excitement and that zippiness is sure a lot of fun. So I agree. I wish more people could try hardtails. The biggest problem is most people, <coughs> excuse me, have never ridden a modern hardtail. And there's a huge difference between a modern hardtail and a hardtail from five years ago. Yeah. I mean, when I first got that chameleon, it really blew me away because I did not expect to be as fast as I was on that, like even on, on some of the downhill stuff around here, that's, you know, not, let's just call it intermediate kind of like upper XC kind of chunkiness, you know, not like it's, it's, you know, some Red Bull rampage shit, but 
I could, I, I, for a long time, my, my, my fastest time on my hardtail was the same as my time on, on my full suspension bike. And, um, <coughs> I definitely attribute that to the way that this, the geometry is now. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Hardtail geos come a long way. So, yeah. um, you say you like unweighting in that rear tire. Um, yeah. When first thing came to my mind is that that makes me think about the mullets. So how how are the I've seen some on on the hardtails, and uh -huh. is that does it make as much of a difference on the, on the hardtails as it does on on the full suspension bikes, or do you think it's more of uh, they're just doing it on there because like the marketing is like oh yeah why this mullet? Good question. The new chameleon does both. <clears throat> and you can order it either as a full 29er or as a mullet. Where I really like mullets, <coughs> both full suspension and hardtail, is on really steep terrain where you're diving into corners. And I feel like the, the mullet allows it to fall into the fall into the corner better. And in, it, the trail needs to be steep enough to make that come alive and to overcome the slower speed of the 27.5 in the back. So if you're riding greens, I don't want a mullet. If I'm riding blues, I probably don't want a mullet. Bentonville, I could go either way. Mullets are often a little more playful, especially for smaller riders who can kind of get lower, get their butt lower over the back when you're doing manuals and <coughs> jumping and stuff like that. It's just less bike around you. I'm surprised how many people are still anti-29ers, at least in my viewers. Like there's a lot of people who rode a 29er five years ago, had a bad experience <coughs> and they're 27.5 for life. And I get that 27.5 is a ton of fun, but um, 29ers have come a long way. So my mullets, I think, come alive when it's so steep, you're not pedaling and you're mostly on the brakes. And in most cases, the on those trails, it's chunky and bumpy and a full suspension is the better choice. So yeah. if yeah. you're on a slalom track, mullet all the way, super fun. Mm -hmm. If you're on... You know, if you're on a double black diamond out at Telluride, a mullet hardtail might be might be kind of fun. I don't love hardtails at bike parks, but um, yeah, it, it's it's just variety, and I think that's good. Um, but any 29er can be made a mullet, and any 27.5 can be made a mullet. You just run a shorter fork and a 29er front wheel, and yeah, your bottom bracket height might be 10 mil off or something, but it's worth experimenting because some people really love it, and some people can't tell a difference. Yeah. I, I used to be an anti 29er guy and it was pretty much what you said, you know, like those first ones, I just didn't, they didn't, they didn't do much for me. And I was even, you know, hesitant on the 27.5 from the 26, just cause I liked how flicky it was. And like, I really enjoy super technical kind of stuff. And I, even though the, the rollover, those of you guys listen, I'm doing the air quotes, the rollover is better with the 29er. Um, that smaller wheel will would would navigate through that kind of stuff a little better. So to me, the twenty seven five was like okay, I'll 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 like compromise with this and, and go ahead and do that. And those those original twenty ers they were just like like freaking monster trucks that like they kind of took their own line, you know. But now they've gotten so good with how those bikes are and and dialing that geometry in. That's the thing where I'm like this new Bronson. That's a, a mullet. I'm I'm I I feel pretty like confident to buy the bike 
and sell my other bike without even riding it just because I know how well the 29ers are handling now. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that could do this X, Y, and Z for me. And my tall boy is a 29er. I, I drop my rear end on, on that rear tire all the time, like all the time out here. And, um, so just a little bit smaller tire to kind of maybe get over that. That would be great. <laughs> I think the tall boy is a perfect 29er, but you brought up a great point. Like when I'm doing slow speed, climbing up two foot or bigger ledges, the 27.5, the mullet rear, I can hop it up higher. It's just, yeah. I got just that extra, you know, three quarters of an inch or so, but I notice I am clearing more stuff on the mullet for the slow speed trials. -y tech stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting, you know, I, when, when people first started doing the mullet thing, I, I kind of felt like it was going to be like, like the, the plus tires, like it was just going to come and go, you know? And, and, um, I, I'm really curious to see some bikes like, like, you, you know, I'm a Santa Cruz guy, right? So like they took, they used to have their 27.5 line and they had the 29 line and now their 27.5 line is like mullets that's really not much of a difference between a 27.5 and a 29er. I feel like, is this where you start to see companies like make some kind of flip chip and they drop that, that other line of bikes altogether? Or, um, is this like, is this killing the 27.5 wheel? Like it'll be enough to like get people halfway there and then it won't be that hard for them to like, well, it's just buy a 29er dude. <laughs> I don't know if they're that devious. I think they're just trying to sell as many bikes as they can, as fast as they can. I am, I'm a little bummed. Like my wife's got the, uh, my wife is dusty Betty. She's got a great YouTube channel for women cyclists. So if you got a lady who's trying to get hooked on mountain biking, send her to that channel, a shameless plug for my wife there. Yeah, but she it. just got the new Juliana 5010, the Furtado. <clears throat> it's a rad bike. I've ridden it, but it loses a little bit of what made the 5010 so great before. And it's uh, people want to feel like a hero on a bike. They want to not have to pick a line. They want to go faster and good geometry and bigger wheels can do that. And so that bike is less poppy, less jibby and more plowy. And that's what the customers want. So that's what they're getting. But it's ironic because loose dog Lewis of the 50 to one crew, he's riding his 5010 as a 27, five front and rear. Oh, he just really? uh, that jibby playfulness back again. And um, my personal goal is to make sure plus tires never die. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, At least for hardtails, they make so much sense on a hardtail. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I was, I, I think when I was riding my chameleon with a 2.8, but then I could, I could get a, a much lower profile tire. So it would just roll so much better. But because you had all that extra like contact patch, it would be just as good. So it'd be like, yeah, you don't need a 2.8 DHF. You could do right. like a, a 2.8, you know, recon and it feels just as good because you got that extra space or that extra like, like contact area. You're spot on. And I think that is probably the most overlooked area for people to upgrade their bikes. Most people try DHRs, DHFs or acid guys, and they don't venture from that. They never try anything else. And they're missing out because learning different tires and how they respond to your terrain completely changes how a bike rides. Yeah. 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 I think that there's, um, there's some things about tire, like you don't always want all the grip. 
like um one of the reasons that i run the aggressor on the back is i feel like it breaks loose a little bit sooner like a little bit before a, a, a dhr would and i like where it breaks and i also like when it breaks it it, it still feels like it, it has like a very controlled slide to it that i can that i can really oh. understand and um i like the way that that handles better and then rolls better altogether compared to a dhr that would just grip until it's not gripping anymore you know and then yeah. it's like totally totally um, but but yeah i mean i think there i think tires is is a thing like suspension where people over they over tire like they over suspension you know and there will be a lot of people you'll see riding around with a dhf and a dhr on it and it's like dude you're you're making your climb suck because that thing's just stuck to the ground all the time and you know it, it's just maybe like the terrain that you have there doesn't actually call for that kind of tire like you could get away with like if you're in Sedona, for example, like I don't think a DHF is probably the best front tire, huh? No, I don't either. It's okay. It's not bad, but yeah, it, it kind of depends on how you're riding and what bike you're on. But yeah, yeah. And it, it's so location dependent too. A lot of my patrons will hit me up and say, hey, I need new tires. What's your favorite tire? And I'll say, well, my favorite California tire is different than my favorite Arizona tire because the, the terrain is so different and kitty, kitty litter handles different than rutted out dusty trails, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, it really depends. And I encourage people to try different things and not just, yeah, not just over tire. I, I think it's another case of, you know, I'm on a 160, 170 bike. I can smash through everything. I feel like a hero. I just leveled up with no extra skill. And I think tires can kind of do the same thing. I can now uh, be a little bit dumber on my line. I can, I don't have to worry about where I'm braking. I don't have to pick braking zones and I can get lazier and the bike handles well. And you know what? That's okay. We're all here to have fun. So I'm not here to throw shade or anything, but mm -hmm. I, I've kind of taken it the other way and tried to find the fun in leveling up skill wise rather than over biking. But I don't know. It sounds, it sounds kind of, <clears throat> sounds like I think I'm better than other people. I don't, I just find a different way to enjoy riding. Yeah, but I think that what you're saying shouldn't be surprising to somebody that like is listening to your channel or your content because you like riding a hardtail. Like what you're explaining is the same reason that people ride a hardtail is like, like what I just said earlier about, you know, it makes this trail a little harder and like that, like you, you have to level up to ride that. It's not like you buy a hardtail and you're like, this is going to make me faster. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk skills clinics. Have you ever been to one? You know, I have not. And I, I really think, huh? Why not? Why? Yeah. Because one major reason, I'm a cheap ass, probably. That's the biggest one. Okay. The second one I would say is um, I, I'm like always like, I want to go ride this trail and I want to go ride this trail and I want to ride. And, and up here, we have this limited amount of summer when there's no snow in Tahoe. And you have this like bag full of rides that you want to do, right? So I'm always chasing those. And then in the winter, whenever there's snow in Tahoe, there's all these other rides that are like, you know, like UC or Santa Cruz or, you know, all these yeah. other things where it's like, well, I want to go do those. And um, for whatever reason, I don't, um, I, I, I haven't taken the time to go take a class. I really should. I'm not grilling you. I, I I see it a lot. Like 
I'm going to ask the people in the comments, how come you guys haven't taken a clinic or have you? And how has it helped? To me, that is hands down the best money you can spend on a bike. I get a lot of people on my consultation service saying, hey, I've been riding for six months. I bought this $2,000 hardtail and it's a fine hardtail, but they're like, you know, I see all the $6,000 bikes you're riding and I think I need something better to unlock my trails. And what they need is a skills clinic. And fortunately, a few of them have listened to me and gone to skills clinics and came back a week later and said, game changer. Like, I love my bike now. I hated it before. I just didn't know how to ride it, especially 29ers. 29ers are harder to ride than 27.5 and mullets are easier than 29ers too. I will say that. And so cornering the 29er well takes for most people a clinic or two. So I'm a huge proponent of clinics. I take one anytime I can. There's always something more to learn. I've been mountain biking for 25 years. I wish they'd existed when I started because I have a lot of bad habits that I have to have to rub off. And the sooner, the sooner we get to a clinic, the sooner we can correct those. And mm -hmm. man, I, I'm just a good clinic. There's some lousy ones out there, but a good clinic will change every ride from there on out. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely seen it firsthand. Like my, my lady's gone to, to one or to a couple actually. And, uh, I've seen her come back and just like completely change her riding. And to me, I, in my head, I was always like, ah, she'll just listen to somebody because she'll come back and tell me shit that I've been telling her for like the last year. Of course. Of course. And I'm yeah. like, I told don't you the exact spouse. same thing. <laughs> yeah. Don't coach your spouse. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. So, um, but definitely like have seen other people too, that are just getting into riding and they get, they, they, they go to a clinic or something like that. And all of a sudden they're, they're, I don't know what it is about people that teach like that. They, they have a much better way of explaining things. And, um, I think, you know, obviously over time you, you, you learn how to communicate to different types of people. Cause yeah. um, I'll listen to people even on YouTube that are like, telling people how to do something that I know how to do. Let's just say like a bunny hop. Right. Right. And when they explain it, I'm like, yeah, that is what I'm doing, but I don't yeah. know how to explain it. You know, I'm not yeah. like, yeah. they're like, pull your body this way and do this. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck, like I would never yeah. come up with that. You know, like, teacher who was brilliant, but a terrible teacher, but a good, a good coach is worth their weight in gold. And the best coach I've found is Simon Lawton at fluid ride up in Duthie, up in Seattle, hands down. He's the guy the coaches go to to get coached. You should, anyone listening should plan a one week vacation, go there, take all of his courses, including his fundamental ones. And I know everybody thinks, oh, I've been riding for 10 years. I don't need the fundamentals. You need the fundamentals. I need the fundamentals. We all need them. And you, you will ride safer. You will ride more confident. You will unlock your bike's potential. Uh, but you have to swallow your pride a little and admit that you don't know everything about bikes. And um, yeah. that's hard for a lot of dudes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially for somebody like, I mean, me, I've been, I'm same with you, man. You've been riding bikes for a long time. It's not like, like people ask that question, like how long have you been riding? And it's like, I don't know, man. I was like six years old or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Like five, I don't know. Like I literally, you know, it's, it's been a long time and, and even mountain bikes. I mean, it started in the nineties and, yeah, I took a little break for a couple of years, but that's about it, you know? So you definitely yeah. have a lot of, of a experience. There's a lot of things that I notice, like when I'm, I'm riding with new riders that I, um, I totally take for granted 
you know, and I don't even think about because I've been writing for so long, but I definitely have bad, bad habits that who knows where they came from. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And some of it was the bikes we were riding. I started riding. My first mountain bike was 1995 and I love that thing, but it, it did not, I couldn't ride it the way I can ride a bike today because it didn't let me, you know? And yeah. so, especially for people listening that are coming back into mountain biking from taking 10 or 15 years off, definitely take a skills clinic because bikes ride completely different. I remember when the Yeti SB 130 came out and the 150 and the reviewers did not like them. The pink bike guys, the vital guys, they were having a hard time. And then they let out a review six months later when they'd really gotten used to it and learned how to adopt this modern riding style where you really get over the front. Bikes are so long and so slack now. The front wheel is so far ahead of you. If you're not actively weighting it in turns or if, you're, if your terrain's not steep. If it's steep, your weight will naturally weight a slack bike. But riding a slack bike on a flat trail is extremely hard because there's no grip on the front wheel. And so once these reviewers learned how to modify their riding to suit these newer, longer, slacker bikes, they totally loved it. And if yeah. these reviewers yeah. who've been riding their whole life had to modify we we do too and so it's not just like riding a bike where you just get on and turn the bars and everything magically happens there are absolute skills to unlock the potential of a bike and <clears throat> yeah that's all i'll say about that yeah i know 100 i mean i think even you know back in the day like i'll say a big one that comes with people that have been riding for a long time that are probably close to my age getting way over the back back too far and that's one of those things that comes from the shitty geometries that we had in the 90s is like if you didn't get over like that you were going over the bars there was yeah. no like question about it and now Tiny it's wheel. like no you yeah. should get low more than you need to get back you know what i mean and in uh, fact really hard for people. Yeah. yeah do you snowboard i'm sorry do you snowboard no but i ski Okay, same thing with skiing. When you're a good skier and you're turning, you're pressuring the front of your boot and the nose of your skis to initiate turns, not the heels. If you right. lean back when skiing, all the weight's on the back and you can't initiate the turns. So a right. good skier will actually lean forward down the hill yeah. and weight the front of their skis, which is scary. That's Your body's saying, don't do this. Same exact thing with bikes. Yeah. Yeah, great point. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it, there's a lot uh, that... I actually really enjoy taking people out that are newer because it makes me think about things that I haven't thought about for a long time. And it, and it, and it also like kind of one of those things where you like pat yourself on the back. You're like, wow, I really do know a lot more than like, than, than what I like maybe give myself credit for or whatever, you know, totally. like there's a lot of things that, um, like as a new rider to just to sit there and see somebody like, over like it's too many things to think about to like yes. hit the brakes hit the dropper like get in the right place put your feet in the right spot like elbows or what like they're 100%. like yeah there there's like nine thousand things that you're trying to tell somebody to do on their first ride and they're like i am just trying to stay balanced you know yeah. and uh it's it, it's interesting how much of that stuff that you like like something like like when you're coming through a techie section and seeing this rock that's seven feet in front of you and knowing that you have to like quarter quarter ratchet your your crank so that you don't hit it you know yeah. like that's something that comes with experience it's not like yeah. you can tell them hey pay attention to those rocks that are out in front of you and think to yourself 
where your pedals are going to be at by the time you get there right. and calculate that, you know, while you're trying right. to stay alive. <laughs> right. I mean, even starting or getting on and off the bike is so hard for a new rider. There's just so much going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the way that bikes are going now, it's not getting any easier. I mean, adding the dropper to the mix wasn't like, right. it wasn't like they were like, Hey, let's, let's make people's lives more simple. No, it's like, I will here. say one by drivetrains have helped a ton. People used to get so confused with shifting and thankfully yeah. that's taken a lot of the scariness away, but I, you're a great rider. I, I hope I didn't uh, offend you at all. I'm not trying to say you need to take a clinic. I think everyone should take a clinic. Oh, and, no, I've, uh, I've definitely been yeah, you're a great writer. Can I take a second to plug some of the clinics that I love that I'm not affiliated with? Yeah, go for it, man. All right, here are the clinics I think are great. Uh, if you can't get to one in uh, in person, clinics always best. If you can't do that, take the Ryan Leach connection. Yeah, um, amazing somebody clinics. Was, and somebody the, was mentioning the thing, him in the con comments. Yeah, the thing about clinics is they force you to do a drill five or six or ten or twenty times over and over and over till you correct it. And when we just go ride trails, we don't do that. There's one corner that's hard or one climb that's hard. We kind of scramble up it, get lucky, and then move on. Whereas a clinic will force you to hone in on your bad habits and correct them over and over and over. So you could set up your own clinic if you were actually disciplined, but we're not, and set up cones and just run it over and over and over and get feedback from someone. But that's not as fun as riding a trail. Uh, but other clinics, Jeff Lenowski for sure. Um <clears throat> Rob and Rich Drew do the ride series. Excellent clinics. Ninja clinics are excellent. Um, I think who Ian am I is a real good one too. I, I'm not familiar with that, but I don't. I don't doubt it. Yeah, he's he's in the Bay Area up this up this way as well. Awesome. So, yeah, um, if you ever find a great teacher, spread the word. There's some okay ones, but a great a great coach is awesome. I think you mentioned something a second ago that that I want to touch on though as well is. Um, too many people don't have a day when they go out and session shit. So like, if you don't, even if you like, I, I feel like those days are, are worth their weight in gold because so many people will go through like, Hey, there's this chunky section on the trail that sometimes I make it through. And sometimes I don't. And, and basically they're just like, well, didn't make it today. I guess I'll try it again next time. And to like go out, with the sole purpose of like today we're going to go to that spot and then we're going to go to that spot and we're going to go to that spot and we're going to walk it and we're going to do that spot like 15 times in a row and then all of a sudden you're like wow here's this line i never saw or how how did i not realize that if i hop over this first rock then i can like do x you know this other thing and i can tell you those those times when i've been out and not caring about how long my ride takes or, or, and just going out and, and with the pure purpose of sessioning things, it has upped my game like a thousand percent. Totally. Totally. And that's that self-coaching hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think more people don't do that? Why do I think they don't do it? I think it's just yeah. because people are always stuck, you know, like nobody wants like it, you don't want to be the guy that's like holding people up because you're like, I want to try this rock roll like 16 times, you know, like I, I think that inadvertently people feel like nobody else wants to wait for them, you know, and and realistically, like if you head out for and, and some 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 groups of riders are that way. Yeah, they'll you leave you. Yeah. Or they just are like, that's not their thing. They're like, I want to go out and like hammer show and, and that's that. Right. But um, 
find yourself some friends that are down to go out and, and session. And I think that comes from like maybe my BMX days as a younger guy, you know, we'd like go hit this jump 20 fucking times, you yeah. know? And, uh, a, because that's all we had to do and be like, that's how you got better at it, you know? And, um, yeah, I, I can tell you like, before I go to Sedona, there's a place that I ride up here that has a bunch of rock. Well, you rode, rode Granite Bay, a bunch of rock yeah. holes over there. And I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll tend to go there before Sedona and just like reacquaint myself with some steep rock rolls. Yeah. Where it's like that way when I get to Sedona, I'm like, yeah, this is just the same as the one that I did ex wherever, you know, and, and um, that stuff really totally. helps. Totally. It gives you fun. those like mental, mental, like kind of placer place cards, you know, where you can size something up to something yeah. else that you've done. It's hard, though, if you're a brand new rider, like you can't session Granite Bay. I mean, you could right. find a couple, but um yeah, I think you're right. I think having friends that are open to do that. Me, my main riding buddy's name is Cody, and he's a XC single speed champion, so he can just hammer. And he's a 24 hour champion. He's insane. Yeah. And so he can hammer. But when we ride, we session more than we ride. And so we probably yeah. one day we went 1.5 miles in two hours because we were just sessioning <laughs> everywhere. That's awesome, though. Fun. Those days are super fun. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you learn a lot in that stuff. You learn like some different breaking. You learn like, you know, yeah. just so yeah. many skills that are, are, are really needed. Like, like how many people can't like track stand? Yeah. You know, you could, you could session that in your driveway, you know, it takes work and, and dedication and practice. And most of us ride to unwind, not to stress out. And so maybe that's why people don't, yeah. don't, uh, do that as much but yeah i i just love i think my writing's kind of plateaued i don't know that i'm ever going to get any better but i still like to kind of try to improve on small little things like that that makes it fun for me i think you have to consciously try to get better i for a long time i i um years ago i separated my shoulder and when i separated it i couldn't ride for like six months and um after that injury I did not want to have another stint of six months that I couldn't ride. So I really didn't, didn't care about pushing it. And I was not trying to get better at all. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, no, I'm fine with this pace. Right. I'm fine with where, right. where I'm at because this keeps me pedaling. And right. um, it didn't bother me. It, like people would be like, oh, you're, you know, you're a this, right. you're a that. You don't want to go down this. And they'd be like, I don't really care, dude. Like do your right. thing. Like I got enough self-confidence. I'm fine. Yeah. But somewhere along the line, I don't know what some some somebody woke the dragon back up like two years ago or something like that. <laughs> and I, I feel like I I have have changed my skill set so much in the last two years that it 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 really surprises me like how much I've changed it, you know. Well, good for you. And um the only thing that I can say about it is that in some senses, getting to be a better rider um, makes it, how do I say this without trying to like sound pompous or whatever? Like, like a lot of trails that used to be fun to me aren't fun anymore. You yeah. know, like, well, like you need there's trails. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that the hardtail and like another another one that's just like that is like night riding. I think it's that same kind of thing. Totally. Anything that can help you reconnect with your love of riding. I think all the apps and the tracking and the I'm not a big fan of Strava, but I know 90% of riders use it. So that's fine. But I definitely have friends that are no longer fun to ride with because of Strava and we don't yeah. ride anymore. But I think it's easy to judge ourselves on that stuff and forget about what makes us smile. And night rides make me smile so much. Yeah. I think night rides always give me that sense of um, when you go somewhere new for the very first time and you ride a trail, like you kind of don't know where you're at and you, you don't really give a shit about like how long it takes you because you don't, you're like checking your like trail forks to make sure you didn't make the wrong turn. And like, if you see something interesting, you're like, yeah, let's session this a couple times. And like, so it's like kind of like an adventure and you don't get that the second time you ride that trail or the third time. Like, it, it, but when you go night riding, I feel like for some reason it can make almost, it, it can have that kind of same feeling like every time. Just because like, even though you know this corner, like in and out for whatever reason, at, at, when it's dark, it's just like totally different. And like yeah. the line that you're coming at, the way that the shadows are hitting the rocks, like it might not be the same the next time you're doing it at night, you know? Yeah, totally. I love night riding. Yeah. I think um, the the color of the, the light as well really kind of, it messes with your depth perception. Mm -hmm. So it... Um, What's your bar, what's your light setup right now? Um, well, I have two different ones. My most of the time one that I use is the outbound lighting. Those guys, their lights are, are freaking dialed. Yeah, fantastic but lights. The, the only thing that I can say, and I, I told those the guys this as well, is <laughs> we have some stuff that's really fast out here. And and I feel like their lights if I'm on a trail where I'm just hauling balls you know, like 20 miles an hour kind of like stuff, um, they're not quite bright enough, at least for me to like. You both the Evo and the hangover, one on your helmet yeah. and one on your. Yeah. Yeah. I think the hangover could be a little bit brighter, but uh, I love that Evo. It sure shows the contours really well. I love that. Just kind of, yeah, it casts a lot of shadows so you can see where the bumps are. Yeah, I, I really, really like the lights, and I'm. Uh, if, if anybody asks me for a light recommendation, 100%. That's the first one that I say. I feel like for the price, for getting both of them, for like not having battery packs on them, like they, oh. those are are super dialed lights. The only time that like, like if I'm trying to do a PR run on a trail that's at night, I I'll take out my. I have some night riders that are like 1800 watts. Yeah, and those put, are great lights. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'll put like an eighteen hundred on my head and an eighteen hundred on my bars. So it's like freaking daylight, right? Totally. You know? totally. But um, and and that's only so that I can like actually see out far enough to like yeah. be running at that speed. It, uh huh. But like when I I just recently was home back in Pennsylvania, there there is no none of the trails that I rode back there go as fast as like what what we have out here where it's just like California, Northern California has some like some get up and go trails that then all of a sudden get stupid check chunky and then some get up and go again. You know what I mean? So it's not like, I think 
in other parts of the country, it's like you have a really good flow trail or, you, you know, it's like it kind of mixes it up out here. Totally. I don't know. What, I mean, you've traveled a lot. What do you think? What do you think? What I'm saying is accurate or? Yeah. Yeah. I think it just kind of. Yeah. I the I'm going to be reviewing those pretty soon. They sent me a pair and I wish the hangover was had a farther reach. I love the yeah. Evo. I've got no complaints about the Evo, but um, the hangover. The hangover I have, yeah, I had an older one and then they it was just had this really hot spot right in the middle. And I talked mm -hmm. to them like, I don't like this. And they said, oh, funny, you should mention that we just modified the optics and now it's like this vertical eye of sauron thing and it's way better so the new one's a lot better but um i love those guys they're they're nice they made a make a cool product i i'm so lucky i've got such a great crew here we've got a friday night rides every single week with about five to fifteen people depending on the night and mm -hmm. fortunate enough to be in sedona we ride a different trail every night for three months and never ride the same trail twice and we ride them in different directions and having a crew to ride with is just so wonderful. And, and our crew's awesome. And we just have fun. We're not, all these guys have KOMs and maybe they'll try to get a segment, um, a quick little sprint climb that night, but we just goof around and reconnect with the love of riding and, and night rides, especially in the desert are the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I think those lights are really well suited for that Sedona area. But like, I, I would say one of the, like, I led a night ride down there with the outbound lights on. We went down, what is that, Grand Central? That's probably one of the longer, like, massive ride. What's that? Yeah, they like Grand Central for that massive, like, 100 person ride at the festival. Yeah, yeah. So cool. All those lights. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I I I did one. It was a smaller ride. It was like a vet ride, but it was like, so we were able to get get down the trail pretty quick. And that's one of a lot of Sedona doesn't have real long extended downhills. You know, it's correct. Like, like that's why you stuff, hate it, so. or not hate it, but that's that's your biggest beef with Sedona. And I would agree if if you're into long extended downhills, Sedona's not for you. Moab's got way more of that than Sedona, right? So, but like what I was going to say though, is that light was like for that trail, which is probably one of the longer downhills where you're really getting going. It's still lit at plenty fine. Like that, like that's, that's not even like the, the kind of speed that like I was talking about, like more up here where, where we have. Uh, and so I really don't want people to get the wrong impression about how I, like what I said about the, those lights, because <laughs> it's really a, a small segment that they don't work for at least for me you know what i mean sure sure yeah yeah well, i grew up uh, mountain biking in northern california you got a lot more wide open 20 minute descents you know yeah yeah and with really great sight line you know what i mean where you have to like be looking totally. out pretty far and so and you got ruts in the middle of the trail you weren't counting on and yeah 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 all that stuff i went home to pennsylvania though and um I was going out to this ride that it wasn't um, let's say the climb that I was doing was about a thousand feet, you know, and, and that's, that's a pretty small climb compared to where I, I live here. And uh, you kind of go into this something like when you're like, Oh, it's only a thousand feet. Like you kind of get this like a uh, bravado about yourself that you're like, um, ah, this isn't going to be that bad. You know, I'm, I ride all this super chunky stuff all the time. And I'll tell you what, I got my, um, 
I got my 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 myself checked a little bit there, you know, a little reality check on, on that. And it reminded me that, man, there's some really good writing all over the place. And it doesn't matter if it's a spot you've never heard of, like there is still a lot of really good writing out there. Like even with all these YouTubers, you know, I've never seen a YouTuber do a video in the vid in the place that I was writing, but it was like, this was serious. Like, like, like there was stuff I came to. I'm like, Nope. You know, yeah. yeah. Where's, um, where's some of your favorite places to ride? Uh, I think it depends on what bike I'm on, but, uh, yeah, I love Moab. I love, what is it about Moab that you love? I love tech climbs. Mm -hmm. So like, I love the Amasa back climb. Love that. And high Masa. I love all that stuff. And so I love the tech. I like Sedona so much then. Oh, totally. That's why I moved here. I love that stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. to me, these are my all time favorite trails. So Sedona's number one, every single trail has a one to two foot ledge you have to climb up. And I love that stuff. And when you're going a little slower on a hard tail, it's, it's really fun. Yeah. <clears throat> I like, I like Bentonville, but I'm glad it's not my home trails. I would get burned out really quick. I like flow trails, but not for my every single day uh, trail. Yeah. So I like Colorado. I like, I like Northern California. SoCal's okay. I, I need to explore it more. It's not totally my jive. I'm not really an enduro bro that just likes to, to shred downhill at 35, 40 miles an hour. Uh, that that's less enjoyable to me. I like the social aspect. I love the nature aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, I love Washington, amazing trails in Washington, Oregon, Oak Ridge has amazing trails, yeah. uh, even like Kansas city and stuff. And uh, stuff like that, like uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, really fun trails out there, but they're not fun on a 150, 160 enduro sled. So mm -hmm. I think you just got to have the right bike for the trails. Have you ever ridden a single speed? Um, not a single speed mountain bike. I've, I've wanted to build one. When I bought that chameleon, that was part of the, the reason I wanted to, um, I wanted to, to do that. And that was actually one of the thoughts that crossed my mind again recently when I was thinking about because I have some extra wheel sets and I was like, I should just pick up another frame, like an aluminum, like something cheap and just put together a single speed just for like. Oh, Granite Bay would be perfect on a single yeah. speed. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff around here that I think would be really fun. I just know myself too. as like, I, when I have the ability to do something stupid, I'll take full advantage of it, you know? And so it'll be like, next thing you know, I'm like freaking riding some stupid stuff on a single speed. I'll turn into one of those guys like real quick, you know, it's fun. It's stupid too though, but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I just really like those things where it's like, where it's a, it's a challenge. I like uh, when you were talking about, you know, favorite places to ride, my favorite trails or like memories of mountain biking is whenever you make it through something and you look at it and, and you're like, you shouldn't be able to ride that. You know, those are like, like there's this area of Pinecrest. I don't know if you've ever ridden that. They have a lot of, of trails that aren't on the radar and um, they're, they're uh, there's some sections that we rode through there and you turn around and you look back up the hill and you're like, how did we get where we're at right now? Like, this doesn't even make sense. And that, that just tickles the shit out of me, you know? 
That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, single speed would be fun. What um what what do you think the best bike for me would be? The best that hardtail. Well, best, best bike for everyone is the hardtail I designed this year. And oh, yeah. uh, I'm gonna do a nameless plug for that. It's the binary maniac. Um, I don't think it's the best bike for you. You'll find it flexy. I like a supple kind of movable rear end so it doesn't jack my spine up after a long ride. But I think something with like it depends. It depends on if you're gonna try and ride it like your tall boy or if you're gonna try and ride it like a hardtail. So if you want to ride it like a tall boy, uh get something slack and like 65, 64. You need to connect with um they're not cheap. Nick Newhouse from Newhouse Mellowworks. He's making incredible bikes right now. Yeah. So if you don't get my titanium binary maniac that I designed, which is epic, um, check out so New House Metal. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's uh, all my geo, and I got everything I wanted on it. It fits 29 by 2.8 and some 3.0s, sliding dropouts, um, bottle bosses everywhere. It's got integrated rack mounts so I can go bikepacking on it. It's just the hardtail it, it just does a lot of little things that bike companies aren't willing to do that make a big difference like it has a totally straight seat tube so for the first time in my life i can run a 200 mil dropper i've never found another bike i can do that on so little things that thankfully binary was willing to work with me and think outside the box and uh, we pushed the envelope on just about every single aspect of this bike and it turned out beautiful i love that thing I actually watched that video whenever you um, you were talking about it, and uh, I remember you being like, "I can't believe that I, I'm I'm here like I that I helped make this bike." You know, like you're pretty blown away by it. That was fun to I see. Can't, I can't believe a bike exists because a little old me, just some guy who likes hardtails, and now it's a model that people want. And um, I'll What's put one more. Run? It's 2200, I think, which for Ty is outstanding. Most yeah, hand built wheel yeah. frames are close to two. Um, mm -hmm. So 2200 for a frame. The binary can work with you to build it up if you want, or you can just buy the frame and build it up yourself. But they, their orders are open until October 10th. After that, you're probably not going to see one for six to nine months. So this is your chance if you want one. That's been the biggest frustration is. Uh, they've been sitting at the factory waiting to be built for almost a year now, and we just can't create them fast enough to, there's more demand than we can get bikes out. And so if we'd had 200 frames sitting in the shop, they'd all be sold right now. But unfortunately we have to just, we're at the mercy of those guys to build it and ship it out. And, uh, it, it the, the bike shortage is still happening, even though things have gotten better, they're still not totally back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you say you like it a little more flexy. I know that when I rode the, um, what's the Ibis hardtail? The DV9. Yeah, yeah. That one right there. Yeah. Oh, that is it. Oh, right on. That's I know that the yeah. rear end on that was pretty flexy. See, it's way stiff for me, but, the, but that's why part of my consultation service talks about weight and how you're riding and like she's 115 pounds she gets beat up so bad when she rides that thing but someone over 200 pounds no problem it's it's great and not flex too flexy so yeah i really will say the million was too stiff yeah and those wheels too those reserve wheels are pretty stiff and you add those to 
stiff frame, but like when you put down power, it doesn't move and it just rockets forward, and that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that thing. But it does. Yeah, but it beats you up. Like after an eight-hour day on a stiff bike, like you, you will get beat up, and so yeah, because I was even, even riding that bike with those knights. They're like 45, you know. Those are great wheels. Right? 2.8s I had on it with Cushcore in it too. Because I was trying to do everything I could to make that thing comfortable. But sure. it's still like, you'd still feel it, man. That, that, like I said, that was the main reason that I, I was like, I just want something to take a little bit of the chatter away, you know? Yeah, and I remember the aluminum one being too flexy for you. So somewhere in between those, I think, would be the sweet spot. I feel like going, if I went back that I would be happy with the aluminum after my experience was like, that's where I, I, um, I really came away from that situation thinking like, I think that I would prefer aluminum hardtail over a carbon hardtail. I don't know. What's your, do you have a preference? It depends on the bike. Like anything carbon will sell and people are like attracted to carbon things. And so every review I try to talk about how stiff a frame is because most people don't have a very good reference for, you know, they've only ridden two, maybe three different hardtails and it wasn't with the same wheels. And so they don't know if it was their wheel set that made it ride soft or whatever, <clears throat> but being able to ride so many back to back with the same wheels, I really tried to let people know like, Hey, this ride's pretty <laughs> stiff. It'd be great for bigger riders. This rides, this might be noodly for people over 190. And so, so things like that. It really depends. Some steel bikes are stiffer than aluminum. Some like the most supple bike I've ridden is steel. It's a new house hummingbird. That bike is magical, but guys over 200 are going to find it noodly when they're just standing and sprinting. Uh, you're going to feel the rear end flex because of the amount of torque and power you're able to put into that bottom bracket area. But yeah. I let a buddy borrow it on a ride. And he's like, I've, I literally forgot I was on a hardtail and started riding this like it was a full suspension and it was so smooth granted these were blue trails and they were yeah. not too chunky but a smooth hardtail is amazing so mm. a lot of people you know they're shopping for bikes they're looking at well for 2200 which one's going to get me a gx derailleur and what they should be asking is for 2200 which frame is going to give me the best ride feel that i want for how i'm riding who cares if it comes with a garbage derailleur that's easy to fix Fixing a frame is not easy and not yeah, possible. Yeah. I always tell people that too. Like, you know, you don't see it as much as, as you used to. Like, remember back in the day, they used to always have like, like three different models of frames, you know, and it would be like the, the lowest model, like didn't have, you know, whatever all the different specs would be or like, um, I used to always tell people like, get the best frame that you can because all that other stuff it breaks this is mountain biking and you're right. going to replace all of those other pieces so like right. get the frame the best frame that you can because that's you know at the end of the day that's that's the heart and the soul of it you know totally but it's easy to get compared on that spec sheet because it takes a little bit more information and knowledge to compare geo and ride feel and all that and if you're not able to ride bikes because they're never at demo events, what can you do? You do the best you can with what's online, but man, it's tricky. Yeah. I'm but having then a hard like, time like where I'm at in, in my, like, I have so many preferences on parts now that I don't feel like I could go out and buy a bike off the floor anymore, you know? And, and um, I think because of that, it, it really makes my recommendations to people biased, 
you know, I, Could it's be. hard for me to tell people like, yeah, just go buy this, you know, and, and um, because I'm, and then it, it makes me like locked, lo like, like locked into my, <laughs> how do I say this? Like, it's really hard for me to, to portray that to somebody like, yeah, for me, if I bought that bike, I'm going to take the brakes off. I'm going to take the dropper off. I'm going to take, you know, it's like, so, um, so then they're like, so that's not a good bike. And I'm like, no, it's a great bike. You should totally buy that bike. But I'm just telling you, you're like, yeah. I don't know. Do you find yourself? I, yeah, like that? Not really. I'm okay with just about any brakes. I don't like the stamped rotors for Shimano's, uh, the really cheap mm -hmm. rotors. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have my preferences for my personal bikes for sure, but I'm if if the frame's good and the fork's good, I'm pretty happy with just about anything. Although a good wheel set will completely transform a hardtail. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, or do you like the uh, the newer wheel sets that have kind of like the built-in flex to them, or do you prefer one that's a little stiffer? Or what do you what do you enjoy there? The yeah, I love yeah. the flex. Yeah, every wheel says they're flex. They're you know they have vertical compliance, but lateral stiffness. But you can't trust what's on there. And so, um, finding bikes, finding wheels that do have that compliance and kind of a deadening feel. It's kind of like Redding Cush Core, how it kind of deadens the trail a little bit and acts like a little bit of suspension. On yeah. a hardtail, a nice soft wheel can help. But what about you? Could could you feel a difference between those nights and when you went to the reserves? Well, I never had reserves, so um, but I do. Um, I use Envy a lot, but I think gotcha. the reason that I use Envy is because I weigh so much, and Envy's are sure. known to be really stiff wheels. But yep. for a two hundred and fifty pound dude, a stiff wheel for a one hundred and seventy pound guy is like a totally different wheel, you right. know. And, so yeah. that to me, um, those nights were really compliant like they were They're really soft. Like, yeah very they, soft yeah and um i think i they didn't bother me as much because i wanted them to be compliant to like make up for the lack of suspension yeah but on like if if i had a wheel set like that on my normal like full suspension bike i would not be happy at all because the first time yeah. i rode those um who was it is it kush no king creek or something that had those they were one of the first ones that had the real flexi or revel or something like that. Yeah, Revel's done it. Chris King, Chris King, Revel, Evil, and Atomic all use that fusion fiber rim technology, which is yeah made in the US that's supposed to be more. I don't find it to be super soft. Yeah. The first it was one one of those brands, they had like their rear wheel was a little bit more stiff and their front wheel oh, was totally synthesis. Yeah. Who was it? Crank Brothers synthesis wheels. That's what it was. I knew it was a C. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And the first yeah. time I rode those, I was on a demo bike in uh, South Mountain, and I hated it. Like, mm. for me, my size, it made that front wheel feel like spaghetti. And especially, like, whenever I was coming into, like, coming over something real techie, and that front wheel, I was riding a 29er as well, which is already more flexy than a 27.5. Yeah. And it would just, like, it, it felt like, like, I felt like this thing's going to snap. Like, it's going to pop. Like, I'm pushing on a balloon against, like, a bed of pins, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think you highlight a huge point and why reviewers should not just say, this is good or this is bad. It really depends on the weight of the rider, on how hard they're pushing it, on what their terrain is like. And so, I, you know, when when I see those 
disgusting clickbait titles on YouTube. Is this the best bike ever? Question mark. And they get all the clicks, but it really bugs me for people to, and, and consumers want that. They just want, just tell me which one's the best and I'll buy it. And the answer is it really depends. It's kind of like, who's the best potential mate you could marry. It better be different for everyone because we right. all want something a little different. Right. right and what right. my, my dream girl is not other people's dream girl. So it's, it's really, yeah. And we should all take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. It's really hard. Um, I think, you know, wrapping back around to something that we started at the beginning is like really hard to give advice because it's really subjective and you know, what type of riding you like or where you ride. And it, it's like, um, like suspension for example right now i have this new fork from ext on my bike and it's a high performance fork it is expensive like really freaking expensive right yeah, like two grand, um, right yeah but if you're gonna go and like i'm trying to think of you know if if if, the, if most of the trails where you live are intermediate and that's what you ride like this is not the fork for you this is not going to make it better like this fork, it it wants to be like getting the crap beat out of it, you know? Yes. And that's when yeah. it shines, you it's know? A race and, yeah. Yeah. And if you put that like on on a bike compared to somebody that's used to riding like a super squishy fox, like it they're gonna be pissed that they went out and bought all that, like spent all that money on that thing, you know? Totally. You bring up a great point. I've got in my consultation service, a lot of people and part of my service, I know I'm plugging this hard. I'm sorry. It's, Go for it, man. It's, Do your thing. it's my business. This is how I make money and, and money's tight right now. So any, the more people that sign up on Patreon, thank you. Um, but a part of my service is people will buy a frame and say, okay, now what parts should I put on this full suspension or not? You know, you've ridden a lot of different forks and wheels and all this, what would you do? And so I help them with that. And, and it's funny, the attitudes you see come out like people, I say, get a pike select. Well, I found a pike ultimate for 200 more. Should I just get that? It's the better pike. And I'll say, have you ever changed volume spacers? No. Do you ever mess with the knobs? Have you learned how to dial and rebound? No. Do you know the difference between high speed and low speed compression? Not really. Then the ultimate is just going to mess you up more than it's going to help you. Most people, you know, these people that aren't fine tuning that the more knobs and things it has on it i think the more potential the average joe who doesn't know how to set up suspension the more potential for failure they have one of my favorite forks is a fox stepcast 34 performance with the old grip damper and there's one compression lever and it's just a dial and you just sweep it and it's always decent no matter where that thing is and that's what most people need is a pretty good setup but if, if you're like you and you can really tune it and you know what your trails need and you can push it hard and charge, then, yeah, those extra damping settings really, really come out. And so my advice is always it depends on the person instead of me just being like, oh, Pike's amazing. Everyone should get a Pike Ultimate because yeah. not everyone. Yeah, I'm just now getting to the the, the skill set and also the, the like knowledge of suspension to be even able to know what's wrong you know what i yeah. mean where i'm like like in the past i would just go down some chunky trail and be like man i was all jacked up my line wasn't good today i didn't know yeah. that like oh my compression my high speed compression was like way too high but that's right. why i was like poking all over the place you know i didn't know totally. i just freaking was like oh, i screwed that up maybe next time i'll do better you know and, and uh, that's not normal 
Yeah. Yeah. And maybe next time I rode that trail, I hadn't checked my air air pressure in my fork in six months. So it was lower. And then it was like, that's what made it better. You know? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah. And I think that's harder on a full suspension because I think that's even harder to tune in a full suspension because it's hard to know which shock, if it's the shock or the fork that's making it behave that way. And I struggle. It probably takes me a month to dial in my full suspensions where on my hard gels, I can dial them in in one ride, but it's mm -hmm. just, it's kind of how they react to each other. It makes it a little bit trickier to, and I set my forks up differently on my full suspensions than on my hard tails. It's, it's totally a different beast. It's almost a different sport. Yeah. I think I also don't ride. I don't prefer my fork to feel the way that most people would assume it should for a guy my size. If anything, like I like the front of it to be really like kind of a, a little bit like too loose. You know what I mean? Like the first part of the, the suspension and then like that mid and bottom to like really ramp up. And yeah. I think if they like if I was to give my my fork to most people, they would set my pressure and stuff really high because how much I weigh and that yeah. front end is just like too harsh then for like the small bump stuff. And totally. uh, it's just interesting. I mean, but that's personal preference stuff. And, and the only way that you're going to understand that is really like to you, a, you have to like be willing to, to mess around with it. And, um, and, and you really just have to go out and like, actually be paying attention to it like you can't just go ride your bike and be like oh yeah my suspension was good no it's like you have to leave with the per sole purpose of yes i'm gonna try to figure this out i'm gonna do this like here's a, a great place to be sessioning something you know like go down this run and then move it two clicks over and then go down the run again and then you know then argue with yourself if it was better because you did it a second time or it was a second and then do it again, you know, and, and um, you'll, you'll start to notice that stuff. Totally. Uh, yeah. People yeah. should Suspension, more. Suspension's been like a, a, a dark hole of Pandora's box to me for a long time. And um, I would imagine that it's like that for a lot of people. Cause it's just, like you said, all those switches and knobs, I'm, what the hell is all that shit doing? I don't know. I just want to get on the bike right. and ride, right? You know, that's right. what most people want to do. And I will put a like, cop on It's got to be at least air adjustable. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. if it's just a, a $1,500 a $1, hardtail because you're – like it does matter. You still need a good suspension fork. But if you can't adjust air and compression and rebound, uh, that's a whole other discussion. We're assuming <laughs> every fork at least has those three adjustments. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, yeah, it's, um, it, it's definitely, it's definitely something that, that takes a long time to learn and, and, um, it's intimidating, you know, it's really yeah. intimidating. You do all your own maintenance. I mean, obviously you're building your bikes and stuff like that. So like pulling a, a, a fork apart and doing service on it, something yeah. no, no, no brainer for you. Yeah. I worked in a shop in college that gave me the confidence and I've got a full service shop that is just for me in my backyard and it's wonderful but yeah i'll build wheels i'll i'll rebuild forks i don't bleed the dampers um i'll send it out for that but yeah i do i do all my own maintenance and <clears throat> i think there's power in that too mm -hmm. and a lot of people you're gonna get stuck on the trail one day 
and something's going to break. And if you don't know how to, how your derailleur cable works, then when it stretches or snaps or whatever, you're kind of walking out. And so I think everyone should have at least a basic, basic understanding of their bike. But, yeah. Uh, everyone's different. Yeah. There's certain things for me. I just like, I just don't have the, uh, the personality for like, um, a buddy of mine that that um, runs Project Three Two One, the hub company. He was he was he was like, I'm going to teach you how to build a wheel, and I lasted like five minutes. If I say five minutes, it was probably like two, you know. And it was just like, I do not have the patience for this. Like this is just annoying to me. I am more irritated than I'm like finding solace in this, you know. And so like something like building wheels i'm like i'll pay somebody to do that and i i would like to be able to do some of the stuff on my suspension though because at the end of the day i'm a i'm a i'm a cheap guy like and i don't like spending money you know there's definitely like expertise on for guys that really know how to do that stuff and some of those tools are like it doesn't make sense to go you know right. buy the nitro charger or whatever you know but i would really like to be able to like not have any kind of fear about like popping that open and, and, you know, doing a basic service and stuff. Just like do that. it. You got yeah. it. Follow YouTube video. You can do it. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty rewarding, but it is a little scary because you're in there and there's oil everywhere and you, you're afraid you're going to mess it up. You're not going to mess it up. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Usually with most things like that, once you do it, you know, like you're, you're, uh, then you're fine. You know, it's just like, and I, I mean, back in the day, I used to ride a lefty and there was a point where I was like changing a spring on that and didn't have the right tool. And I brought that thing to the shop in pieces, man. And they were like, all right, well, yeah. as long as all the pieces are in the box, they'll take care of you. So, yeah. and, uh, so there's always that, you know, that's always an option, but man, that's like the walk of shame, right? <laughs> Coming in there, trying to get something put back together. Well, if they're a good shop, they'll applaud you for trying. Yeah, 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 definitely, right? What um what what do you enjoy most about your channel where it is now? Um I love connecting with people and hearing from people. I love the consultation part. I love that. And I love people writing back saying, Thank you for working with me. It's been a month. We you encouraged me to get such and such bike. It's my favorite bike by far. I'm selling my full suspension. And um, and I don't, I'm not, it sounds like I'm out there to hate on all full suspensions. I'm not. I got three of them and I'm trying to buy another one now. I just rode that new Reeb SST. That thing's insane. Anyway, oh, yeah. enough about that. But uh, my favorite part is just connecting with people and hearing people reconnect with the joy of riding and people saying, hey, I've watched your channel. You encouraged me to put away the Strava and stop like, trying to count calories and take this roadie perspective and just start enjoying riding again. Thank you. I enjoy it all over again. And that's the most rewarding thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think that, um, Steve from 75 episodes ago would have thought that this is where you would be? It's where I wanted to be. I don't, I'd love to hit that hundred thousand one day and get that special YouTube plaque. That will make me feel like I made it. And I think we're on track to go there, but I don't know how, I don't know what the next 10 years look like. 
Uh, my body's going to start falling apart. That's part of why I ride full suspensions. I feel it too, especially in Sedona, riding hardtails all the time. So a lot of you guys will see me on a full suspension when we're here in Sedona because when I'm not working, when I'm not reviewing a hardtail, when I'm not reviewing wheels or something, sometimes my body just needs a break. And it's interesting that full suspensions are kind of my escape because hardtails have become my work. And so I still love a great hardtail ride, but here in Sedona, it punishes the body. And so when I'm on vacation, I'm often riding my full suspension just to get that different flavor where I'm a little bit burned out of hardtails doing it every single day. I still love them, but you'll often see me on the trail on a full suspension to protect my body more than anything. <laughs> yeah, I saw a Colorado kid in the comments earlier giving you giving you crap that he saw. Yeah, yeah I think he, that was him that said Tommy cheating on my hardtail. Yeah. And last week, powder bike, I only rode full suspensions. I I rode for a video. I cleaned the whole enchilada up and down the whole thing on a hardtail, no dabs. That was one of the worst days of my life, but I wanted to prove that it could be done. But at the end of that video, I said, I will never, ever ride this this trail again on a hardtail. It's just too brutal. Can be done. It's way less enjoyable. And so all weekend last week in Moab, I was on full suspensions the whole time because it suits the Moab terrain. So I'm not disillusioned to think hardtails are perfect for everywhere. They're not. But uh, they're sure a heck of a lot of fun on greens and blues and some blacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What – um. Yeah, that's interesting. What's your what's what's your your favorite trail there in Sedona? It changes every week. Yeah, like I don't have a trail on lockdown that I just know. We have two hundred miles of trails from town. The furthest trailhead away is twenty five minutes if I'm pedaling my bike. So I my car gets no miles on it. Everything connects, and uh, I coach on my high school Nike team, and we ride a different trail just about. Every time, that's twice a week. It's it's so fun working with those kids and helping them have a passion for riding. But we 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 literally ride every different trail. I, the double black diamonds, I only ride about once every four to six months. Those are less fun for me. I can do them. It, it depends on who I'm with. But mm -hmm. uh, and I've, I've cleaned them all on the hardtail. But but lately, more challenging trails are not usually more exciting, even though they get more views on YouTube and they're the things that people want to see. So sometimes I'll just go for an easy four-hour pedal on green stuff and just put the headphones on and reconnect with nature and zone out and, and have that zen moment. And we don't tell that story well enough as YouTubers. We tell the shred it. We tell the jumps We because we want to prove our legitimacy. We want people to think we're worth listening to <clears throat> that we shred. But there's this whole category that is bigger than we think. And I see it because I'm on the hardtail side of things, but there's this whole group of people who don't shred. And by having someone be a champion of the hardtail on hardtail party, they're able to say, finally, I feel like someone gets it and just enjoys the love of riding on a green trail. And there's nothing wrong with that. So mm -hmm. I've been enjoying a lot of that lately. Yeah. Yeah. I was honestly thinking about um, the last time that I was in Sedona I, I was like, I think next time I come, I I need to like not do the big trails just because um, some of them aren't there. Like I've ridden them enough times that like the, the excitement of them is not, not as, as exciting, as it you know, yeah. and I'd like to go get some of the, you know, more of the adventure kind of ride in or something like that, you know? Like the very first time I ever came there and went down like Slim Shady, I just Slim remember Shady thinking. Awesome. 
Yeah. Just thinking that is like the most fun trail ever. And now I'm oh, like, I go down it and I'm like, yeah, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm here, you know, it, it, and, and that sucks. That sucks that it feels that way. So it's like, I want to, you know, maybe not ride it for a couple of years and then, then, I, then I can ride it again and, and be excited, you know? Why do you think it feels that way? Um, I think there's a couple of things. I think it has to do with um, partially like my skill set getting better, you know? So, um, and then there's always like the way that you remember a trail is better than, not better. It's like maybe more exciting than it, than it is. And, and because you're, you're especially because you're like remembering it when maybe it's like the first time you've ridden a trail. You know, like the first time you you um, ride a trail, it's just like the downhill segments are so long and just like everything is it, like you just really remember all that good stuff, you know. And um, I, I think that part of it is, is that with with um, Slim Shady, where it's just um, there was things that were more intimidating to me whenever I first wrote it, where like those little step downs, you know, and stuff like that, they seemed like like man there were these huge drops all the way down the trail and and now i'm just like yeah there's like a couple speed bumps along the way you know it's like yeah. <laughs> and not to be like oh i'm some badass because i'm definitely not like you're some a great rider shredder though you know like there's plenty of guys out there way way better than me and um no, that's okay though come across that way but no, I, you're a I great think that, that's what it comes down to you know I, i'll and, bet you'd enjoy it more on your tall boy yeah, I think the last time I was out there, I think I was riding my tall boy because, oh, okay. yeah, I was because I lent my Bronson to um, um, unprofessional Kyle because his bike was like broken. He had my Bronson the whole time that we were there. I will say that some of the stuff that I rode, the tall boy was I was underbiked, like like riding that tall boy on on. Um, was it Highline? Like. I was definitely like, oh yeah, I'm using all of the the, the fork, you know, like. Well, that's a and, good thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I, but it, I know what you mean. You definitely like don't have any like. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I like being underbiked, though. I'm a weirdo. I'd rather be a little underbiked and use it all up most of the time than be overbiked and never touch the last ten percent. But I'm a weirdo yeah. like that. No, and I, I think like when I bought the tall boy that. Um, for the most part, I, I kind of still have that, like almost that uh, hard tell kind of uh, mindset with it. I'm always yeah. trying to like take that bike in places that it ne doesn't necessarily isn't the best decision for. Right. But the way that I can tell that I, I like am under bike is by like how beat up my body feels at the end. Sure. So like when my shoulders are just waxed, I'm like, oh, that's because I'm using all this suspension in my arms to like uh -huh. make up for the lack of suspension in my fork, you know? Yeah, and totally. um, you feel, I, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm like mid forties now or something. Like I can definitely feel my body in a way that I didn't feel it when I was like in my, like even just early thirties where it was like, yeah, whatever, man, you know? Yeah, totally. So, I'm feeling it. Yeah. How, mu how much do you ride? I want to give a shout out to Leo real quick in the comments. He's a buddy of mine. And yes, ground control is a great trail. How much do I ride? I ride 
four hours a week with maybe five hours a week with the high school team. And then usually another three or four hours for film and videos. But I spend a lot of time in the shop building stuff and I need to change that. I need companies to start sending me complete bikes, not just frames. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's just a matter of you actually saying it or do you think yeah. that? Cause I was yeah. thinking earlier when you were saying like, I mean, I, I feel like your, your channel is established enough that you could be like, yeah, send me the frame or send me the bike and 500 bucks or a thousand bucks or something like that. And like, like that's it's what it costs to be on my channel now, because like you are definitely like the staple, like the place that as far as I'm concerned, anybody's going to go to look for like hardtail advice. That was the goal. Thank you. I, I need to get to that point. It gets a little tricky getting paid to review. So what I'm going to do is it, when I get there, I'm going to charge them to have the first look. That's not a review that measures the geo that looks at the angles. It just highlights everything about that bike and they'll get a free review after that. So that's, that's where I'm going to have to go. Um, it, but it's funny. Some companies are like, some companies are like, Hey, uh, we'll give you an industry discount and you can buy a frame for 20% off. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, thank you. Like I'll put 80 hours into this video. That'll get you 50,000 views, sell 200 of them. And I get to do that for the low price of $800. Like they just, they've never been on the YouTube side of things. So yeah. it, it sounds like I'm totally a princess, but they don't get the, the amount of energy that goes into it. Well, um, not only that, but on the other hand, it's like, so if that's what you do, you're going to have a hundred bikes and I know how to put it in, you know, like, 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 yeah, that's great. You'll give me a discount, but like, I, I don't want to buy every bike that I'm trying to do a video on, you know? Right. I've got 20 hardtails right now. I, I, my maniac is my dream one. And I've got a couple other dream ones that I convinced the companies to let me keep. And I'll always have those, but I'm not searching for a better hardtail. I'm just out there to review them to help other people know what a hardtail, what a specific bike rides like. It, and it's kind of a pain when a, when a frame comes in. And I, I know this sounds so whiny and first world problems. When you listen to the Pink Bike podcast and what Mike Levy and Kaz and those guys say about how sucky it is to, to pack up a bike and box it up and send it back to the original person, like that probably takes 10 hours a week for me of just tracking labels and packing it up and making sure I have a box the right size. And so there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes that people don't say. So I think some of these companies think I'm just trying to get a bike for free, but yeah. some companies are amazing and say, you've put us on the map and we're expanding now because of your channel and the, the attention it's gotten. So they roll out the red carpet. They send me, they say any frame you want, it's yours. And um, I, I usually don't take them up on that because I have so many frames right now, but some companies totally get it. And some companies like giant impossible to get a frame from Canyon impossible to get a frame from, um, Gorilla gravity took like two years to get their, their frame in, but I finally got it. And so some companies, they're a lot of their social media people are kind of living in a van. They might be in the bike world. They might not. They're kind of, some of them are really good and really tuned in. And some of them are just kind of lazy and not really engaged and yeah. kind of give you a 30 seconds of their time. And it's, it's to their, it's their loss. So, uh, but it, it is real. It, you know, it, it looks good from the outside and I have a lot of great companies that partner with me, but there are so many companies I can't get on the channel unless I buy it. 
And if I'm lucky, a video that I spend 30 hours on will generate $40 in ad revenue. So that's just, yeah. that's a dollar fifty an hour. That's just not worth my time at that point. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, channels that are at our size aren't like, like rolling in the money, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, and, 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 uh, it is what it is, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I think you did a great job of explaining where you're coming from and whatnot. So I love my job. Like, it's fun. Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, like this is not my full-time job, you know, um, would I enjoy uh, it to be my full-time job? Probably. You know what I yeah. mean? We'll um, get there. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? And if not, like, I, I think for me, what I've really come to the, 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 I've come to a point where actually I don't care if I get there. Like, hmm. I am just going to just start, like, accepting that, like, or not accepting, but, like, embracing where I'm at. Like, this is really cool. Like, when I first started, I remember saying, like if I do these videos and I make enough money to like buy one bike part that I was going to buy anyway, then I feel like it's worth it. Like that was like, that was my goal when I started was buy one bike part. And yeah. now, you know, I have parts that I'm like, <laughs> oh man, I got to put that thing on my bike. Cause I got to do this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah. I think that if this is where I'm at, like this is the, <laughs> the, the, the most success out of YouTube that I get is where I'm at right now. This is still a pretty rad place to be, man. I like feel like I'm part yeah. of the bike industry. I'm like part of this like really cool YouTube like uh, community, and um, I'll, I'll do it until I find something else that that I'm disinterested in. You know, I, I've Good. I've always told my kids like do whatever you're passionate about. Like it doesn't matter how much money you make, just do what you're passionate about, and the money and all that other stuff it'll work it out. And um, and I, and I've been like, you know, kind of like refocusing on taking my own advice lately, you know, it's like, you know what, I would love to have that freaking stupid plaque too, man, for whatever reason, that stupid plaque makes you feel like you like you made it somewhere or something, you know, and, uh, but on the other hand, whatever, if it doesn't right. happen, like, dude, I go out in the trails and like all kinds of people know who I am and, yeah. you know, like, like, that's crazy. Like, you know? It's in Pennsylvania, and my my um my my uncle that I was riding with was like, yeah, some guy I was riding with the other day recognized your sticker, and I'm like, really? You know, like yes. that's weird. You know, well, props to you. You've done a great job with your channel and the podcast. It's so much more work than people understand, and I applaud you. And it's always always a pleasure to connect with you in person and on the podcast as well. You've yeah, done a great yeah. job. I'm really proud of it. Yeah. You guys as well. I mean, both both you you and Tess, you know, are both like making it happen, being being parents at the same time, and I mean, yeah, still you're finding time to go out there and coach kids that aren't even yours. That's rad, dude. Like, that's um, I, uh, I I feel like that's you know that's that's something you should be proud of. You know, you're going out there and, and doing something like that. I think um, the best I can do for the community right now is build illegal trails so yeah <laughs> yeah illegal there yeah so why did you choose um titanium for your 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 bike if built right titanium can have the ride feel of steel which a good steel frame is nice and supple 
Titanium's lighter than steel. It's about 1.5 pounds lighter, and it doesn't rust. It it kind of um, tarnishes a tiny bit, but you can't see it. And so when you scratch it or something, you buff it up with a Scotch Brite pad, and it's back to normal. Like it's it's kind of what hardtails are all about for me. A bike that 20 years from now you can still throw in the back of your truck, buff it out, and just keep riding. And so. Yeah, and that's what binary does. They only do tie. And so I was thrilled because my favorite bikes are titanium, most of them. But yeah, you get lightweight, durability. Um, you can control the ride feel, never rusts, doesn't need to be painted, um, easy to touch up. Just I think it's just a really neat material. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit harder to work with though. Like it's it's harder for them to build with tie. 100%. That's why it's so expensive. They have to fill the whole frame with argon when they're welding it, or the welds will get contaminated from atmosphere on the inside, and your welds will break and not be strong. So it's an extra $300 in argon for the welder just to weld it, just in materials. And um, yeah, it, it's a little bit extra work. It's an exotic material. It's expensive to buy. It's kind of a space age material. But you don't you don't need titanium to enjoy a hardtail. I don't want people to think that. But if I'm building my dream one, it's going to be tie. There you go. There you, go. you got me interested. I'm gonna have to go check out the website and see if I can pick one up. Um, before we get going, one of my favorite kind of like little series that you get you guys did over there was um, your clunker series. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I still I have two videos filmed that I haven't edited yet that have just been hanging over my head with all these bikes I have in for review, but it's coming. But, um, I, you know, if I weren't doing reviews all the time, I'd do more of those videos. We all got the same exact bike. It was a clunker, coaster brake, 27.5, rigid fork, single speed. It was like 400 bucks, and about 10 of us got them, and we all rode the same trail together, and we had an absolute blast, one of the funnest days on a bike. And our whole objective was to point out that it doesn't matter what you ride, you can have fun on a bike. And so, you know, most of my cranks cost more than that whole bike. And I had more fun on that bike than, than a blinged out bike. And then the next part that's coming, we haven't, I haven't released it yet, but we all modified our bikes. And mm -hmm. so some people had gears, some people added forks. Um, I added brakes um, and then we all painted them. That's coming. But we did another similar one too. That was a $300 bike challenge where everyone had a budget of $300 for the bike purchase and any repairs and then we all took him out on a trail and that was second favorite day on the on the trail that was uh, so much fun that sounds like a riot that um that clunker just I, I remember when you you had talked about it on your channel and i actually went to go buy one because i had and i don't even know if like it's a great video or not but i really want to buy that clunker and go ride the the repack trail in Marin County that like kind of started mountain biking and just see like I feel like I'm a pretty good rider and then just see what my time is first time you know and, and just um like where where does that stack up compared to like what these guys <laughs> were doing in like garden gloves and you know and obviously they've ridden the trail a million times right so um but I thought that would be like a really fun like experience to like get some people together kind of like what you were doing where Originally, I was thinking like get a bunch of people to go out there and and ride it, and then donate all the bikes or something like that to something. You know, yeah. like that would be really cool. So, 
That's um, it's a terrible bike, and coaster brakes are terrible. Don't tell my friend Shell Money at Money Bikes. He's he's a coaster brake fiend. He's awesome, but like I started developing severe knee pain after that ride, and it really? still hasn't gone away. And it's been like two years, and oh, just. My not being able to pedal backwards and reposition your feet and having to stand on the back one to break is, uh, it's really tough. And so I think you should do it. I'd love to see yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it would be fun. And then maybe, you know, I'll probably do another run on the full suspension just to kind of see where that, where that puts you <laughs> at, you know, but yeah, I thought it would be really fun though. Um, do plus it. that's like that bike, it just looks rad, you know, for like a round the town kind of bike, you know, or something like that. So. Yeah. My problem is my garage isn't big enough, right? So I know, right? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, see, you you know what kind of person you're hanging out with when you open up the garage and there's like freaking bikes on every part of the wall. You know, you're like, oh, this is what this guy does. And so, I'm sure, my so neighbors think I'm freaking crazy or something. Well, we are. What's your next okay. dream bike? If you could have any bike right now, what frame would it be? non santa cruz i'll make it harder for you now, now you now you're gonna make it harder if it's not a santa cruz um i was really for a long time thinking about building uh, a titanium gravel bike and um not because i have some like like great reason of like why tie like feels this way or that way just because i really think they look sick and uh like when you pair that titanium with like a bunch of black parts and it just like, it just looks super clean. And, um, I, uh, I don't really care for the gravel bike that I have. So I've been wanting to build a new one or buy a new one. And so I'm either like that, that's probably the bike that I'm like really interested in to like change just because, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, if I was going to buy another bike tomorrow, it'd probably be the new Bronson, but, um, but that would be that that gravel bike would be the one that I'd be really kind of interested in. But you you honestly, I'm not lying to you. Really kind of sparked my interest about the 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 single speed thing. You like got it back in my head because that was one of the main reasons that I bought the chameleon. And um, I think that I would like I don't know. I think that would be fun to pick up something that I could build into a single speed or kind of. Yeah have that have another hardtail in the in the mix again so you said you're sliding dropouts on your frame yeah i wanted to be able to run single speed at first i wanted a belt drive but i've had some bad experiences with belt drive so it's not belt drive compatible but yeah sliding dropouts hmm. it, the right. trick to single speed is there's a couple tricks first you need to have friends that have them too or you're not gonna have fun because you're gonna be way ahead of them on the climbs um, you will climb faster and you will set more PRs with that bike because yeah. on the down you're coasting anyway. So it doesn't slow you down at all on the downs and on the, on the ups, you're pushing your heart rate so hard that you are flying up stuff. A yeah. second tip is don't go too hard on your gearing. Everyone wants to be macho and run like a 32, 18. I recommend starting out depending on where you live, like a 32 in the front, and like a 20 or 21 or maybe even a 22 in the back cogs are like 30 bucks it's such a simple thing um and three the third thing is give it two weeks because your fitness no matter how fit you are on a gravel bike or road bike or mountain bike it's a totally different type of fitness and your first ride on a single speed will not be fun 
but your yeah. fourth or fifth will. And you're just going to be like, this makes me feel like a kid. It makes you feel like you're in the ET movie, just riding yeah. your bike around and you've forgotten yeah. about all the bling stuff and the Strava. And you're just feeling like a kid again with a simple, quiet bike. Yeah. Yeah. I have a single speed um, road bike that that's what I, I rode for the longest time. And um, while I was riding that bike, I, um, I definitely understood where the passion comes from, you know, and, um, like you were saying about people climbing quick, man, I know like when I'm out on our local mountain bike trails and you'll hear somebody like huffing, like they're, you know, running for their life and then they just zip by you. And it's like, you don't hear that motor whine. You just see that they have no derailleur and you're like, Oh, that's a single speeder. And holy shit, that dude's moving quick. (laughs) Totally. So I'm yeah. not one of those guys, but I do like it for the simplicity and it's fun. It's yeah. addictive. It's not the same as not shifting. A lot of people say, oh, I just ride without shifting. Getting the weight of the derailleur and the cassette off of there and getting that cable gone and getting the option to bail out. It just changes how you yeah. ride the bike. So fun. Yeah, I would say even because like whenever I bought my gravel bike, you know, it has gears on it. That's the whole reason I bought my gra- gravel bike. And and when I first started riding that, I'd be like, oh, I'm just not going to shift. I'm used to riding single. But like the having no option to shift changes things like totally. like because your your brain is like this has to happen. Like they're right. like, they're, you know, like, you know, <laughs> there, there's if you have gears, there's a certain point where you're like, this sucks. I'm going to I all I, I can push this button and it's not going to suck anymore. You yeah, know, totally. um, so I, I, I don't feel like you, I don't feel like there's anybody out there that has the discipline to actually ride a geared bike, like a single speed and get the same experience. I just don't like, like maybe you can for a short amount of time, but I don't feel like you could like overall. Agreed. Um, that's Agreed. Well, dude, it's been two hours, man. I really appreciate you. I know you're, you got a little cold coming on and, and, um, you still still pulled through came out here and chat with me for a few hours so um Always. that was awesome dude every time we hang out i um i wish you lived closer ditto i need to get back out there we need to ride granite bay or downeyville or something else together i can't wait till we get to ride again yeah definitely i mean i'm, I'm sure i'm sure i'll be down there probably for the, the sedona mountain bike festival so maybe i can come in town early and we can we can ride some of the uh the less popular trails before everybody gets around that's a good way to do it. It's a zoo. If you've only ridden Sedona during the fest, it's a totally different experience. So come yeah. early or late. Yeah, yeah. I usually end up spending some time in, in Phoenix, but um, maybe maybe I'll just come in early and go to Phoenix on the tail end or something. Yeah, Phoenix is rad too. There's good trails out there. Yeah. Nonetheless, dude, like I said, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, hang out with me. Those of you guys, if you haven't checked out his channel before, Go over there, even if you're not into hardtails. Like Steve said, this guy is like a, a a a very knowledgeable bike dude. So you get over. I think in the the the, the show notes, I say he's a bike nerd. Like there is a lot yeah. of knowledge that comes out on all of his videos. You'll learn something every time. And uh, you're an entertaining guy, real down to earth, as you can see from the last two hours. Check out his channel. Check out his wife's channel too, Dusty Betty. If you have a, if you have a lady into riding, she shoot, shoot her over that way. If you haven't hit subscribe and you're watching this on YouTube, hit subscribe. And it's really not that hard. Just push the button, 
If you enjoy what you saw, hit the thumbs up. Helps the algorithm show it to other people. Those of you on the podcast, be like the dude from Texas that wrote the wrote the review last time. And so when I go back there and look again, there's a new one. Because every time I see a new one, I don't know why the reviews on the podcast, they really, it's like different than a comment. Because I think you have to go a little bit more out of your way to make that happen. And it really means a lot to me that any of you guys would sit down and take time out of your day to do that, help support the channel. So thank you very much. Thank you to all of you guys on Patreon helping out there. And at the end of the day, there's only one thing you need to remember. It only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one.